Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Slide Rule Pass podcast, your weekly podcast brought to you from the makers of Slide Rule Pass blog. In this episode, we're going to take a look at some of the rumours managerial circling Newcastle United in the club corner, as well as a special week for Ollie Watkins. Catch up on weekly results and the talking points from all the jam-packed international week of football, as well as shine the spotlight on below-par pundits in our article review section. As always, I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined by my podcasting pal, Mark. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Chris. How's everything going? Yeah, it's not too bad, mate, not too bad. Have you been enjoying International Week, mate? Have you been singing the national anthem? Uh, well, I never sing. Um, no one wants to hear that uh, going on. So, <laughs> But no, it's, it's good to see some some different football. Um, you know, International always gives you a little little flavour of, of of the world, doesn't it? And we see this minute little bit in our, in our country, in the Premier League and, and things. It's nice to, to see some of the rest. If by different you mean less shite, I couldn't agree more, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of shite, we're going to have a little look at Club Corner, mate. Time ahead to the, the dark and murky place that is our Club Corner. Okay, so it's time to take a visit to Club Corner, and uh, we shouldn't be in the corner too long this week, mate, because none of our teams played. It was international week, as we all know. But there was a few rumours involving uh, Newcastle United, which I want to get stuck right into, and invariably uh, my favourite manager, Steve Bruce. So after the Brighton debacle, a lot of fans have been calling for this guy to go. Doesn't seem to be going anywhere at the moment, but there has been some rumours doing the rounds, um, and a couple of names mentioned, Chris Wilder and Eddie Howe. So just looking at the two of them, some fans are a little bit sceptical and understandable because, you know, Wilder had a great season last season, but Sheffield United are rooted to the bottom of the, the league. Obviously, dead and buried have been for a long time. Eddie Howe took Bournemouth down, but looking at their careers on an average, Wilder has a, a win ratio of 43.7% and Eddie Howe 41.83 versus Steve Bruce's 37.7%. Now, Steve Bruce in the Premier League, we all know, has a horrendous record of around about 28%, which makes him the second worst manager of all time in the Premier League. But, you know, for me, any change would be good right now. I think the man's completely lost the plot. Uh, but what do you think about those two names linked? Um, I mean, they're kind of different ends of the scale, really, um, in terms of their, their approach. I think Wilder is a little bit more old school and he, he sets his teams up really, really well. Um, I, I think he gets sometimes labelled as... It, too defensive um, and mm. and sort of the more route one, but I think that's really harsh. And I think you know we you, you've watched Sheffield United over the last couple of seasons. Maybe it's not this one because they haven't been quite so good, but certainly last season and the season before, some of their some of their passing w- was brilliant. And and honestly, they were you know there were goals at times that would have 23, 24, 25 passes in that build up. So I think sometimes it's a it's one of those lazy pundit things to to label um, <laughs> label a manager as as one style. I think he he has a very set way of playing, but he, he doesn't hold those players back. There's there's no handbrake on with them. Um, obviously, this season has been different, and maybe they they kind of hit their level with the the players that they had. But and then how is kind of the the the, the one that you would. You know, everybody kind of sees as the the more free flowing style of, of football. That you know that, that that attacking mentality of always trying to play the right way. Um, so it's an odd one. And, and again, Bournemouth kind of 
maybe hit their level. They 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 overachieved um for a time for for a club of that size, and he he did really really well with them, and was rightly linked with so many different places, and maybe a a bigger a bigger club would suit him now. Um, and he, he he gets a little bit more more behind him in terms of financial backing. He's not in Newcastle with Ashley in charge, but maybe that will, will suit him now and he'll be able to to take that style of football and that level of play onto, onto bigger things. I couldn't agree with you more, mate. I mean, I think Newcastle fans have got very short memories. You know, Chris Wilder was the manager who beat us 1-0 uh, and had 80-odd uh, percent possession. So uh, I can't believe many of them wouldn't want to swap that guy for the guy that we currently have. But, you know, Eddie Howe for me is a, is a complete no-brainer in so many ways. I think, you know, he, he's charismatic. He'd get the fans on side. I think he would get the best out of, you know, players that we have that he's worked with and Callum Wilson and, you know, Matt Ritchie. You know, Ryan Fraser, obviously, it went a bit sour towards the end. But, you know, he, he knows how to get the best out of attacking players. You've got the likes of the Longstaff brothers, Young Elliot Anderson, I think he would give a chance to. You've only got to look at how well he developed, uh, you know, David Brooks at Bournemouth. So, you know, he's got he's got um, previous for this. And the funny thing is with Steve Bruce, though, the shades of McLaren are there for everybody to see. Now, a lot of people who aren't Newcastle fans might not remember, but when McLaren got sacked, I think we're past the game limit when McLaren got sacked by, I think, one or two games. But we had an international break. And we were adamant that McLaren was going to get sacked within the break. But typical Ashley, typical Newcastle, they did nothing until we came back off the break. And then we got beaten by, I think it was actually Weirdly Bournemouth, funny enough. Um, and then they sacked them after that game. So for me, I can definitely see Bruce getting Spurs at the weekend, which we'll come on to in upcoming fixtures. But if he loses that and loses it comprehensively, which, you know, for my mind, there's no reason why you should bet anything other than that. Uh, I know Spurs are a little bit up and down, but, you know, we're the easiest three points in town. So if he loses that game, as he should do, then potentially, if these two guys are interested, you've got to see him gone, wouldn't you think? You'd like to think so. I think I think you, you look at some of the the rumours and the, the news floating around in the last week saying that he's not likely to leave, that, that <laughs> Ashley is going to stick with him because of loyalty. Um, God. Well, you know, it's it comes a point in which that loyalty, however it's perceived, it is is just going to harm your club. It's and certainly for him, in terms of looking to sell the club, it's going to it's going to harm the amount of money that he gets for it. Because if they go down, you can write off probably almost a hundred million straight away in in, in the sale uh, amount of the club. It's just it seems like a crazy way to. To, to be running it now and not look to, well, I am looking to get out. I want as much money as I want. And at the end of the day, he's a businessman, so that's what he's looking to do. It's interesting you say that because there is some conspiracy theories doing the rounds that um, the club potentially would be easier to sell and go through the, the owners and directors test in the championship. Now, the rumours that I've heard doing the rounds is that potentially Stavely and the Rubens would buy it at a lesser figure than the 350 million. And, and obviously Piff could then come in as an investor at a later stage, wouldn't have to go through all the different checks that the Premier League have, have obviously stopped the takeover on, but it's a hell of a gamble, you know, unless Ashley being the universal shitbag that he is has done a deal where 
he'll pocket the parachute payment money and that's to make up for his deficit. But it's, it's one of them questions where you've you got to ask yourself, are you kidding yourself on here? That Would this man actively sabotage his own asset to be relegated so it's easier for him to sell? And, but, you know, recently we've, we've seen Dwight Gale getting a three-year contract is, is the reported, the reported um, story. And to me, that, that's Newcastle just preparing for relegation. You know, what, what's your take on Dwight Gale, mate? Well, I, th- I think if that maybe that is preparation. Is it a is it a pre-contract agreement? Is it an actual signing? If they are planning it to say, look, if we go down, look, the contract's on the table for you, or you know, he's a good championship striker, and it, and it it sort of makes sense to plan for that eventuality. But at the same time, by if it's signing into a contract now and you stay in the Premier League, then it's a wasted contract because mm. everybody kind of can see he's, he's as good a striker as he can be. He's not a Premier League striker. He's not prolific enough. He's not going to score you 10, 15, 20 goals a season in the Premier League. So it's wasted money and it's a wasted squad spot that, you know, he's 31. He's going to count in your in your 25-man squad. So it just, it, it does seem like an odd time to make that decision and, Surely, waiting to see where you ended up in the league now would have been the better option. Yeah, you would have thought so. I think most clubs who are num, you know, run sorry normally by you know normal owners or people who have a clue to start with, you know, would, would probably have taken the same tack that you have. But I mean, it, it's so funny looking at it because you know the, there was other stories that Steve Bruce gave the squad six days off, and I know Andros Townsend went and talked sport a former Newcastle player who actually really enjoyed his time at Newcastle even though he ran at the first chance he could get. But he said that's normal for you know squads to have that length of time off. But because it's Bruce, again, it was intensified. The fans were going crazy about it. What do you mean he's got six days off? Oh, I shite against Brighton. You know, and I was caught up in a little bit of that myself. But I'm so sick of this guy, and I have zero faith that he's going to win another game, that never mind Eddie Howe, I'd take Eddie Izzard over, over this bloke at the minute. You know, he's just he's that crap as a manager that... If Ashley is going to back him, and, and, and apparently they've had crisis meetings, in, in inverted speech um, bubbles here, crisis meetings nine days after the Brighton game, nine days after, and and he he won't be sacked and he won't walk away. So where the hell did Newcastle go if Spurs batter us 4-0, mate? Um, well, I suppose it, it remains to be seen that it, it, it was an odd thing that, on the back of those crisis talks they were talking about, it it came from, you know, a poll in, in local papers that 95% of, of fans <laughs> polled said that they wanted him gone. And my question, Mark, my question straight away was, who the hell are the other 5%? His um, wife, his son, his daughter. <laughs> no, this is it, yeah. So it's either it's either Sunderland fans or it's Alex and his mates that he's got mm. together to try and, try and vote for him. But um, it's just... It, the more it goes on, the more mad it seems. And I think, hopefully, well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, you don't lose to Spurs. You know, that's the mm. you, what you want because you, you don't want yourselves in, in the position where it gets even tighter down there. It's a huge game. Do he, he has to? Surely he has to. That has to be the end of it because that then that's two wins in in twenty one games. Then and there's only. 
but we think we said this a couple of podcasts ago. There's only one way Newcastle ahead, and it, and and it's and it's down. It's mm. you know you can't see them picking up any more points really for the rest of the season. No, it's it, it's funny. I, I know um, you know there's a few kind of match match predictors people have been doing, and you know, I know some guys have got us getting five points maximum, but they've got Fulham getting seven. You know, which are going above us and, and obviously relegating us. So I mean, if if Ashley. I think I said if Ashley wasn't going to get rid of him after Brighton, he's never going to get rid of him. But, you know, this is the last game for me that he has the opportunity to get rid of him because if he doesn't get rid of him after Spurs, then I'm with you. I, I can't see us winning a single game. I, I think Burnley will beat us. You know, I know people are saying Burnley got the flip-flops on, but they should not let them do that. Burnley will beat us. You know, then I think we've got Liverpool and City in the mix. You know, some really tough games. And then that last game against Fulham that... If we go into that game and it's a straight shootout between us and Fulham, we will lose with Steve Bruce's manager. There's no question about that. Scott Parker will have them so pumped up for that game that they will stay in the Premier League and we will go down. So, again, after Spurs, if he isn't gone, mate, then I don't know what we do. you know. But the next manager that comes in, if it is Wilder or Howe, surely your remit is, I'll try and keep you up, but if I can't, what are you going to give me next season? Yeah, it's almost the Rafa one, isn't it? When Rafa came in, was it 13 games to go? And he very, yeah. very nearly did it. You know, that, yeah, that yeah. run of form under him at the end of the season was, was brilliant and, and it nearly worked. But I think the looking at that you've got less games now and there are some really tough ones to come. Oof, God, yeah. It, it maybe is the new the new manager coming in with you know, after the after the Spurs game to, to go, okay, plan for next season now. You know, do whatever you can, but the but the plan now is is to, to come straight back up, you know, like like he did last time. It's gotta be, but you know, I think Ash is taking a real gamble there. But if these conspiracy theories are proved to be correct and we are down with new owners, then you know, I'd probably feel a bit more positive if we had new owners and a manager like Eddie Howe or even Chris Wilder, but I'd probably prefer Howe, I think. Um you know, Newcastle fans would feel more positive. Hopefully, next season we're allowed back in the ground, and we will come back in my, in my droves because we'll we'll have hope again. And I say hope, not hope, as he says or how he really pronounces it. I say hope. You know that if that is there, you know that fingers crossed, Newcastle can can move on to to brighter days. But speaking of brighter days, it's not been a bad week for the Villa. Let's leave that dark, gloomy Newcastle behind, mate. How's the Villa been this week? Well, there's not been an awful lot of news. I mean, obviously the. We sort of the key points over the last week have been been Ollie Watkins making his debut for England. So, and that's that was amazing to see. You know, he came on. He got twenty five minutes or so to to come on. Yes, it was against San Marino, but it was it was nice to see him get minutes. Um, he took his he took his goal well. Um, so you know, debut goal like again. You know, the the detractors are always going to say it was only San Marino, mm. but. They, they do put up a fight, and it, it was just nice to see for a, for a lad who, you know, it's it's been it's been said in the press over the last last week that it's not long since he was playing out on loan at Western Supermare. So he's come an awful long way, very quickly, and he doesn't look out of place in the Premier League, and he didn't look out of place in that England squad. And I think the there's always a a detraction from, from from England fans that that say the the players don't 
don't look like they enjoy playing for the country, that their, their focus is elsewhere. Just go and watch Ollie Watkins' interview after the game. I mean, he was that interview was full of emotion and just showed what it meant to him. Um, yeah. And it, you know, for somebody like that, that it, it's it's so hard the fact that no one could be there for it. There were no fans. There were, you know, obviously his family couldn't be there to, to share in that moment. And such a huge thing for the lad. And it was just awesome to see. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that he couldn't celebrate that, you know, with with his, with his closest, his nearest and dearest, because of this bloody pandemic. But uh, yeah, speaking of Western Super Mare, San Marino definitely had one of those, mate, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel for them. They're put in such a position against against the bigger teams, and and, and I, I did a, a piece on on them and on the blog as well. And yeah, you see the arguments again that. You know they should play in a pre-qualifying tournament, and and you know it's just it's it's a wasted game for for the bigger teams. But I always think that yeah. that is harsh on them, and they're not going to learn. Yes, they can play more competitive games against those teams in and around them in the in the standings. But I just think it's harsh to pull them out completely. They've got the Nations yeah. League now that allows them to play those more competitive games. But it's, I just think, yeah, they they. They put in such an effort; they they kind of deserve their time on the big stage. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's a little bit like you know when you talk about the FA Cup and things like that. You know, to, <clears throat> a lot of the uh, I remember years ago when Man United pulled out of it, didn't they? And there was a real disrespect from the the, the elite teams at club level. But what's the point of me travelling to a Western Supermare or Halifax Town, you know, in the FA Cup? But but to those kind of clubs, it's it's, it's everything. You know, it's, yeah. it's obviously financial. It's everything else. And I suppose in an international comparison it's exactly the same you know if you're you know if you're a, a fisherman or a bloody uh a miner from san marino who plays center half and you're mark and harry kane you know i mean that, that that's that's something you remember for the rest of your career you'll tell your grandkids about it you know he may have made an absolute arse of you and banged a hat trick or something like that but you you know you don't want to take away that memory from these guys so yeah i'm with you mate although sometimes you look at it as a skeptic and you think oh god what's the point you know you gotta look at it from the san marino um, perspective, you know, and I think for them that you know that they're massive games. But th- there was another good bit of news uh, from the England squad, mate. A return of a, of a certain lovable number ten, mate, wasn't it? Are, are we talking about Jack by any chance <laughs> at this point? Yeah, Captain, no, Captain yes, Jack, indeed, Captain mate. Jack. I think yeah, we, you know, it, it brought yesterday, and the, the pictures came out that he was back in, in sort of full training again with Villa. So that's really positive, especially for the weekend. Obviously, we've got we've got a these sort of big games coming up and, and try and get ourselves back on track again. But that, that's the, you know, Watkins debut and Jack back in training are kind of the the, the two big ones for, for this week. There's a few few transfer rumours um, flowing around now. We're sort of looking at, at next season. We've got that time now, I think, because we're safe, because I think we can, we can kind of see where we're likely to finish. We know... It's not like the season before where it was rushed sort of transfer policy when we came up. Um, so we've got a little bit of time now to, to look at players and you know we've been linked with, with the likes of Florian Tauvin and, and Philip Hellander. So Tauvin's an odd one. You know, he was he was a bit of a flop at Newcastle, but he seems mm. to be doing really, really well at, at Marseille again now. And obviously Hellander at, at Rangers has had a, a really good season. So... You know, I'm sure we'll probably get linked with every player under the sun over the next few weeks. Um, it, we usually do. Um, so 
think summer summer's going to be a big one. We'll we'll see the squad expand and, and a little bit more quality. So it's just it's just now enjoy enjoy the ride again until until next season. I'm not jealous at all, honestly. <laughs> I mean it. You know, just to hear a club actually having some kind of ambition. Yeah, Tobin's a funny one actually because when he came to Newcastle, you know Graham Carr got a lot of stick to be fair, but he actually as a scout he did quite well to be honest with you. I mean, I think he had more hits than he had misses. You know, and obviously Tovan was down as a miss, but it was possibly a case of bad club management. You brought a, a kid in who, you know, was from a different league. You know, he played a certain way. He clearly wasn't ready for the physicality of the Premier League, but he had something about him. You could see he had a bit of skill, a bit of flair, similar to kind of Remy Cabela. But, you know, where they differed from the likes of Sissoko, Sissoko was built like a brick shit house. You know, he was, he was powerful, fast, strong. He had attributes that the Premier League require where the other guys just needed a bit more time. And I think a better club ran properly would have maybe loaned those guys back out, gotten that experience and then brought them back as better players. You know, but I think Tovan could possibly, this might sound a little bit out there, but he could possibly go the same route as a Salah or a De Bruyne, where if people don't really remember this, that when Salah was at Chelsea, everyone was saying, oh, he's crap him. He's never going to make it. You know, copy and paste with De Bruyne. And they went away, played in Italy and, and you know Germany respectfully, and came back and are two of the best players in the world. Now I'm not saying Tovan will be one of the best players in the world, but I think if Villa get him, I think you can get a really good player there. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, the the maybe the the Salah and, and De Bruyne examples a stretch for both Calvin, <laughs> but you know, there's a reason why he's been linked back with the Premier League. He's been linked with Leicester as well. So yeah, good side that. Be you, good side you for him. You, you, you're not getting linked with with the higher up teams in the Premier League and, and unless there's something about you now and, and yeah. that time away has probably done him some good so it'll be, be interesting to see um, mm, absolutely if, if it comes a straight fight between Leicester and Villa I, I have my money on Leicester for his signature but mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll see <laughs> well you never know mate you might be after set maximum in the summer because when we go down he's away I'll tell you that for free so I think we're going to call it end of club corner mate we've got a jam-packed national week to go through in the weekly roundup so let's head there next okay so it's weekly roundup time and uh, we're not got a lot of games to cover here mate so we're just going to really look at the, the kind of home nations really and concentrate on them so wednesday we kicked off world cup qualifiers um Belgium beat Wales 3-1. So, a difficult game for the Welsh, but, you know, the Belgians are a very, very good side. Um, Serbia 3, Republic of Ireland 2. It was a great game, that. And an absolute screamer of a goal from uh, Mitro. <laughs> that chip on the goalkeeper was incredible. He's just scoring at the wrong bloody time, isn't he? Um, going into Thursday, we had Italy beating Northern Ireland 2-0. Uh, Scotland with a decent draw against Austria. An overhead kick by your man, John McGinn, which was very, very good, mate. Um, and then moving on to the Republic of Ireland, um, they got beat 1-0 from Luxembourg. England battered San Marino 5-0, which we, we covered a little bit earlier. And then moving into to Saturday, um, we had England-Albania. So uh, that was Harry Kane scoring his 33rd goal for his country, mate. And um, so that was Sunday, beg your pardon. I'm losing the calendar here, mate. I'm all over the place. And uh, we also had Israel... And Scotland drawn 1-1 and a nice finish from my mate Ryan Fraser. So there's loads of other games. We're not going to get into all the, our podcast. would be about three hours long. So just looking at the main talking points on this, mate, fairly routine for England, would you say? Absolutely. I think it's, you know, San Marino, it's it's a case of how many 
usually you're not expecting um, you're not expecting too much from them. Well, they they had a they had a couple of moments, um, but yeah, I think very much foot off the gas in that yeah. game and in the same against Albania. Really, it was we almost look like we're playing, and I think I used this phrase early on. We're playing with a handbrake on. You know, mm. we're not. It's like Southgate doesn't allow us to just go out and and express ourselves properly, and it's a little frustrating um, because you'd like to see them just allowed to go. You know, you you play with all the respect in the world. You're playing San Marino, you're playing Albania. They there are teams that you should beat. You know, the minimum expectation for us going into anything is for us to qualify. Okay, yeah. so let's go and qualify with style that we have, especially with the players that we've got to do it with. Um, so it's it's a little frustrating and it, it seems odd when you consider we've played two games and scored seven goals and, and haven't conceded any. Mm. But it's still the, the, there's still that pang of, I kind of want a little bit more, which is really selfish of us. But, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's it's just, I think it's the nature of being a, a, that England fan. You're always wanting more. I think you're right. You've you've got the players as well to to, to expect more. It's a big tournament for Southgate this because I still think he's been living very much off that that previous tournament. A lot of his credit in the bank has has come from there. But you know, England are expected in this tournament. I know we we've talked about that in the last pod. Obviously, you did a great piece on it as well. But England are expected in this tournament, and 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 if he doesn't deliver in this tournament, I think that'll be the end of him in the post. I really do. I think the pressure is on Southgate, arguably more than the players. Because he has been getting some criticism of late. You know, people are saying exactly the kind of things you're saying. You've got some of the most exciting attacking players in Europe and world football. And, and it is a bit pedestrian at times and it is a bit flat. But one thing I wanted to cover was just mentioned there. Harry Kane getting his 33rd goal for his country. Phenomenal record he's got for England. You've got to back him to, to beat Rooney's record, would you say? I think so. I think he's well on the way to doing it. Um, he's... He's gone. He's had a little bit of a drought, um, you know. With, he's gone for for quite a little little way without without scoring. But he's he's got thirty three and fifty two now. He's well on his way to, He's well on his way to, to breaking that record. And when you mm. consider so Lineker had four, was it forty eight and eighty? Mm. Um, you know, he's you're looking at the the best sort of goals to game sort of ratio and he's he's going to smash that. If he stays fit for the next couple of years, he, he'll he'll break that easily. Absolutely. And I think if he stays in the Premier League, there's a real good chance he'll break Shearer's record too. But that's a big if, obviously, because the way the world the world of football is now, you don't really get that, that same loyalty. But moving on from the guys in England to the Scotland team, I know we, we kind of covered it um, in the blog, just going through what we expected from, from our team's these qualifying games uh, for Scotland it was a bit of a mixed bag I felt it was one point gained and two lost um, <laughs> I've got to say uh, from a Villa shout out great overhead kick by John McGinn I'm not sure what he knew about it though mate <laughs> I, I don't think he knew what he was doing to be fair it's it's it, it's not not his typical kind of goal I'll, I'll tell no. you that but it was yeah. good to see you know he he's one of those he, he's always going to give you everything he's got and yeah. he just happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right overhead kick which sounds odd to say about him but it, it was you know it was a brilliant finish it was uh, so it was it was a good result I think and then yeah. you go into the, the Israel game and it was just a bit flat you know they 
they got themselves back in it. You know, it was a great goal for for Israel. Um, it was a brilliant strike, and then it just all always felt like Scotland were playing on the back foot too mm. much un- until they really went one down. And you know, there's a big disparity. I know, I know the FIFA rankings are, are, are not worth the paper they're written on, but when you look at the the rankings of of, of the teams, you just think, come on, you, you've got to be doing better. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, it's typical Scotland. Really, it's you know, it's it's one one than another. They're always better at Hamden than they are anywhere else in their travels. But I mean, it was a good finish by Ryan Fraser. I must say, I hope he brings that back to the club level. But then he's he was played as a winger, not as a false nine or false ten or a or a tucked in under the left or whatever the hell Steve Bruce wants to call it these days. But he um, he was playing in his natural position and he looked a lot better. But uh, Shane McAdams sadly didn't have the impact in both games. But you know, you can't expect too much of the lad. He's just just kind of being called up and. I'm sure better games will be will be round the corner from him. But yeah, so I mean for Scotland, two points in the bag there. You know, I think they've they've dropped two against Israel. You know, there's some tough teams in that group, but they're gonna keep soldiering on and, and hopefully they'll they'll pick up. But moving on to the Irish, tough times for the Irish. And when we grew up, you know, we saw a great Irish team. You know, we had the likes of Robbie Keane, Roy Keane, Damien Duff, Niall Quinn, you know, uh, big big Richard Dunn at the back, <laughs> you know, Shea Given. Those days seem to be long behind the Republic of Ireland, mate. What do you say? Well, you're right. I mean, you go back even even a little bit further to to sort of '94, and you and you've got the likes of Houghton and 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 that and McGraw playing and John Aldridge. You've <laughs> fallen such such a long way, and yeah, you know, to lose to to Luxembourg is is such a is such a huge negative for them mm. is I mean it's an unbelievable re- I mean they've been really poor of, of late anyway but yeah that's that's kind of a new level for them isn't it I think yeah you have to you have to wonder I mean you know just not to get too political on this subject but you know with with Brexit and all the issues that we're going to have there's already been talks about how difficult it's going to be to attract you know players from you know mainland Europe over here you know to the youth academies and if you look way back before those borders were kind of freely open between players from Europe coming over here to be in the youth academies. You know, it was Scotland and it was Ireland that, that provided the players to, you know, the big clubs of Manchester United and Liverpool's, you know, and you got to wonder whether in a weird way, as much as whether you agree or disagree with Brexit, this might help teams like Scotland and Ireland in the future. What would you, what do you think of that one, mate? Uh, possibly. I, I, you've got to, I suppose we'll have to remember that Ireland are, are part of the EU, so will that affect yeah, that possibilities? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think there's probably going to be some sort of special arrangement to allow things like that to happen going forward. But yeah, I don't. I, we, it's one of those things. We we don't know how it's going to affect us longer term. You'd like to think so, though. You'd like to see more homegrown players getting through. And absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, we, you know. We, We've got a good wealth of, of, of kind of English talent now, and mm. there's a few more Scotland ones knocking around that are kind of that next next group, you, you know, to come through. And I, I don't know, you know, the Welsh have, have have been really good. They've still got some some really good players, and they've got mm. one or two younger players that are that, that are sort of there. And it's that next part of the Irish story, isn't it? That they yeah. need they need another group of young players to start coming through in the in the mould of a of a keen or, or somebody that's just gonna give them give them something to get excited about. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I think the Republic of Ireland have probably historically, certainly in our lifetime, always been a bit more blessed with quality of players. But it's been tough for Northern Ireland too. I mean, they always seem to be punching above their way over, you know, a few years, you know, like David Healy scored and you know, people like that, Kyle Lafferty's and, and, you know, and, and you know, Sean Davies, you know, but there seems to be a real lack again of, of real quality in that Northern Irish team, you know, and it just... Again, it's a shame to see that with the home nation teams because you really want them to be as competitive as they can be, don't you? Yeah, absolutely right. So yeah, so I mean, moving on from that, there, there was a, a few you know big profile name players in the in the news and international week. The return of the Zlat five years after he he, he retired. I've got a, I've got a couple of different thoughts on this. I mean, there's no question in his lifetime, Ibrahimovic has been a brilliant, brilliant player. A complete weirdo as well, but a great player. You know, 62 goals for his country. You can't deny he's a hell of a goal scorer, but does this cry desperation from Sweden for you, mate? A little. Are they looking for a return to what what he was before? You know, he's 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 been playing good level football again. It's not like he's He's disappeared off into the sunset and been brought back from from nowhere. Um, you know, he's he started to to play for for Milan again, and and you are getting some some good performances out of him. But it's the maybe it's, I don't want to sound ageist, but it's an age thing that you you start to think. Well, he he sort of retired once. He's obviously yeah. made his decision at that point, but even. That's why even even at that age you, you, you go, well, he's still banging in goals. You know, his record True. his record for Milan over the last two seasons has been has been really, really good. So you kinda can't you you can't deny that he kinda de- he deserves his place in the squad because his performances at club level warrant it. But at the same time, I think Sweden he's not gonna be I think this is going to be his last ride, isn't it? He's not going to go yeah. beyond the, the the World Cup, so maybe that's the the, the kind of thinking. And you sometimes see that that effect when when a player you know has that last that last run, and you know it's their last run for a club or for a country that that kind of spurs them on a little bit. So maybe that's the that's the thinking. But it is it felt an odd one. But looking at his stats, you you kind of see why they've done it. Yeah, I can understand. A nice little segue, mate, into to the last hurrah for the World Cup. Moving on to our, our next high-profile player, arguably still one of the best players in the world. On his day, could win you a game, you know, with an absolute piece of magic, but a complete crybaby as well, who likes to throw wobblers on the pitch. We're talking about the one and only Cristiano Ronaldo, who threw a monumental wobbler in Portugal's game against Serbia. It was 2-2, a long cross came over, the keeper flapped. I don't know what the hell he was doing, mate. As a keeper, you'll, you'll probably be able to explain better than me. Felt that Ronaldo looked like it was the winner, 3-2. Another hero moment. And I think it was Dezan Tadic, Czech Southampton player, slid to clear it off the line. Ronaldo went crazy. On the replay, it was miles over the line. But his behaviour, the final whistle, throwing the armband down. We, we wrote a piece about this for the blog, but I'm going to come to you, mate. What, what was your take on that? Was he right or was he wrong? I, I get the frustration. I, I do, you know, you you have something like that happen and, and it and it does boil your piss. It it really, really, really gets you. <laughs> but you're the captain of your nation. You you can't act like a 
a spoiled brat that didn't get yeah. his own way. Um, as frustrating as it is, and, and to walk off before the whistle's blown, it just it kind of shows you what he, what he is, and he's he's kind of too big for for his boots. Yes, he's absolutely brilliant, but you have to have a level of of humility as well, and, and go. Yes, it wasn't given. How many times has he has he had things that he shouldn't have had penalties or offside goals and things? And you go well. These things you always say they they equal themselves out. He's been the victim of one this time, but mm. he's got more than his fair share of, of of goals that have gone in his favour when they shouldn't have. So it's just you know that VAR's not there, you know that goal line technology is not there. Suck it up, man. It's yeah, just get on with it. <laughs> Stop crying. Stop crying, Cristiano. What's the matter with you, big baby? Yeah, it's it's funny with Ronaldo. I think we wrote this in the piece that um the, wherever you sit on the debate of who's better, Messi or Ronaldo, you can't argue that Messi just has a calmness and a decorum about him where you don't see him behaving like that. And I think he almost wins more fans for that than arguably his football ability sometimes, even though he's amazing. Because he, he, he gives you that professionalism, whereas Ronaldo, you're right, it's spoiled brat. It's somebody's ate his sweets and he's thrown them on the floor. It's the kind of thing you do when you're eight years old. You know, just yeah. he needs to calm down a bit. You know, <laughs> I think Messi has his moments. He just doesn't doesn't have as many of them. I don't think. And, true. But true. but it's other things with Ronaldo as well. It's things like you know that it, it's that 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 kid with the football that the football's mine. Things yeah. like free kicks. You know, somebody somebody has to go to in that Portugal side though. Ronaldo's record with free kicks is shocking it's true I think, I think we've scored more free kicks than him recently mate well you look at who else you've got on that side you're sitting there with, yeah. with Bruno Fernandes who is brilliant at free kicks somebody's going to have to have the balls to go up and go no Cristiano you give, you're going to have to give this up you're not the only player in this in this team, Bernardo so Silva. You got you got Bernardo Silva. Yeah. You got Jota. You know those are guys who can take free kicks. I think the problem is with, with Ronaldo is father time is catching up on him, which is weird to say because he's still an absolute specimen of a player and and still fantastic on his day. But you know we had that chat a couple of pods back about Mbappe and, and Haaland catching up on him and Messi. And I think if you look at the two of them, Messi still has. I know he's younger. He's the younger of the two, but. Messi still seems to have, I think, a good solid few years in him because of the way he plays and I think the way he can adapt his game as well. Whereas Ronaldo relies on that pace, that power, that strength. And whether you like it a bit or not, Father Time will catch up on you and you will lose that pace. You will lose that strength. So I think he, he does get really frustrated and that's why he throws these bitch fits on the pitch. But I think this will be his last World Cup and I think that was a large reason why he threw that wobbler. Yeah, I think so, and and you know you, you so for his sake, you, you hope that doesn't harm Portugal's chances, mm, um, because you know a goal not given like that, that's two points missing. That that could damage them further down the line, but um, it'd be good to see him see him at the World Cup sort of one last time. Absolutely, but yeah. He's, you know he's he's got he's got to do better than that, really, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he does. You expect a bit better than that. So, so that's us uh, covering the, the the talking points of the of the weekly roundup, and we're going to move on to the article review section next, mate.
Okay, so it's article review time, and this week we're going to go for a bit of a bonus, mate. We're going to do two in one. We're going to cover, firstly, below-par pundits. And I know you wrote a piece for the blog, mate, which was fantastically well-received. One of the best articles we've had so far, actually, which is brilliant. Uh, so I'm going to let you take it away and tell me how shit these pundits really are, Mark. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it was... I think it's a piece that's been coming for a long time and it, it was triggered by um, comments that uh, Paul Merson made um, on on Sky. Was it on Soccer yeah, Saturday? Soccer Saturday, yeah. And um, he, you know, he, it's this old, tired, lazy outlook and looking at Newcastle fans and the line of, you know, it, they they still expect to be top six. There's, his line was that they're still living in the Alan Shearer, David Ginola, Lee Ferdinand. Honestly, these guys, they and he's not the only one. You know, it, it was. Mm. I think it was Joe Cole um, the week beforehand that that trotted out um, lines about Steve Bruce being the right man for the job and and things, and it's just. I think I'm tired of, of watching the the lazy, the 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 uneducated, the unprepared, the clear yeah, absolutely. analysis that you get and, and you get very little analysis for from any of them. It's there are some good ones, but but it's that it's that laziness that really that really pisses us off. It just you know, the the amount of money that we spend on on subscriptions to the likes of Sky and BT and you know now Amazon, um, you know your your license fee, the the products you buy that then get adver- advertised on places like Talksport. So you, you're paying a premium for for this for these packages, and and yes, the football is great, but you want backed up by good quality hosting of the of the programs and and good quality analysis and and chat in and around the game, and it's just at a dire level. I couldn't agree more, mate. I think that the level of preparation a lot of these guys must do is five minutes before they're in the in the studio, in Merson's case, they might just have a quick look at the league table and say, oh, when Newcastle, oh, the 14th, 15th, well, they're doing all right. Bruce is a good old boy. He's he's experienced. He'll, he'll do them all right. And they go on the air with that kind of mentality. It's just, it, it, you know, it's so disrespectful to, to the clubs. I mean, there's so many games and there's so many pundits. You can't tell me that every single one of them are solely focusing on the top six. And they're not to be fair to them. You know, you have some very good pundits, you know. I mean, the likes of, you know, Dion Dublin, one of your ex-players, is quite a good pundit. You know, he seems to be very open-minded, you know, broad kind of knowledge of the game. Alex Scott is absolutely fantastic. She's been a breath of fresh air. Doesn't get anywhere near enough time, in my opinion. Um, you know, and they keep trudging out these old broken down you know, dinosaurs like Graham Souness, who, you know, Souness hasn't got a first fucking clue about the modern game. You know, he's he, he's still living in an era where, you know, he had a mustache and him and Terry Mack were playing in midfield. It's just, I'm adamant the Sky chief executive is a Liverpool fan because there's no other way that guy gets on the TV and any other channel. And it is, it's just, it's so boring. It's so, it's just so, um, you know, like you say, Groundhog Day just rolled out uneducated, unprepared, bullshit that fans won't swallow and, and I think this is a big reason why a lot of fans have, have gone out looking for content you know YouTube channels podcasts like we're doing 
you know, these are these are high in demand now. You know, people people have their own channels, and, and you know, some of them have have gone from recording in their car, <laughs> saying players are shit, to having studios because the, the fans want more. They want more content, and they want more empathy towards their club and their situation. And I I just don't think Sky and those guys offer it, mate. What what's your take? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, you know I, I mentioned the the likes of Alex Scott are are the the good ones, but they're the exception rather than the rule. And definitely, yeah. Th- there's not enough of them. There's there's too many that have um that are, that have a bias towards teams. Um, you know, I I mentioned the likes of of, of Owen, and it's sort of biased <laughs> towards Liverpool and in his yeah. in his um, punditry. And then, you know, it's just, it always seems to be that if you can get in the big names, you know, that, that big name will draw will draw a crowd. Mm. Um, what we want from pundits, what, for me, I, I want good analysis. Yes, I want entertainment um, from them. I don't want them to be, be dull and boring, you know, like the Owens, like, like Mike Lowen and, and Owen Hargreaves, because they are pretty dull. But I want somebody that... One has a command of the English language when I'm watching in England. I, you know, if you want to present in Spanish, present in Spanish. You, yeah. but, but some of them just, it's questionable that they can understand what's going on. Mm. And, it, you know, it just, it, it all comes back to just, just learn what you, what you, you know, what you're talking about, you know, take the time to do some, some research into these teams. Like I said, like Neville, like Alex Scott, do your research and okay, learn players' names. That's that's it. Always a good one. Um, cough, cough, Jermaine Jesus. Um, yeah, it's just it, it is just really frustrating, and and it you know it was something that I think had cropped up more and more over the last week, and particularly around Newcastle when you just get this the same old line about about them still expecting to be in the Keegan days, and and it's just. Ridiculous, it's just, man. It's just not true, and that's. I, I'm not even a Newcastle fan, and no. it just it, it riles me to, to listen to that constantly. Yeah, but most of us don't even expect to be in the top six of the championship next season, mate. But I mean, you mentioned there, obviously, about Owen's impartiality, and that takes me nicely on to to the last point on this. And I really want to round up with that. Uh, I did a piece of the blog on this recently. So Rio Ferdinand going on to big names, just because you were a big player doesn't mean you're a good pundit. And Rio Ferdinand, I've got a couple of real big problems with him. The first, mainly, is his complete lack to be impartial towards Manchester United. It doesn't matter how crap they are, how awful they've been, they could be bottom three, and he still talks them up like they're championship contenders. Yes, they've done better recently and everything else, but he's so impartial, or unimpartial, sorry, against you know whoever they're playing against. It's, 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 it's actually quite embarrassing for BT, you know, to see this guy doing that. And he's not only is he just a pundit, he's one of the faces of BT. So they really need to have a look at themselves there. But going on to Rio in, in more detail, specifically his comments recently on my club, on his YouTube channel. Now, Rio has a platform and a lot of people listen to him, rightly or wrongly. So he went on his YouTube channel and decided to say, if we, oh, have his piece, have a say, sorry, on a few things about Newcastle United. And one of them was Mike Ashley in particular. Now, before I go into this, just to let people know who didn't know this, Rio Ferdinand has a very successful sports clothing line, which I think is called Number Five or something. It's to do with caps. And one of his top retail partners happens to be, you guessed it, Sports Direct. 
So yet again, how is he impartial when he's passing comment on this? So his exact words were about Mike Ashley was, it's his club and he's seen he's doing what he thinks is right, which is fine. He's entitled to that. Then the ridiculous rhetoric comes in and he says, if your Geordies don't like it, why don't you pull your money together and buy the club? That's a great idea, Rio. We're all going to buy a £350 million valued asset. Half the people out there at the minute can't pay their fucking mortgage. You know, they can't even go to the takeaway on Friday night and get a pizza and chips. You know, people have been hit with a pandemic. They've lost their jobs. You know, it just shows a complete lack, not just of empathy or understanding of supporters, but, but common society as well, mate. What's your take on that stupid comment? I think you're absolutely right. You know, we, we sort of spoke about this briefly before and, you know, people are struggling to pay their mortgages, um, pay their rent. You know, a lot of a lot of Newcastle fans work for their season ticket. You know, they that's their their sort of one outlay every year that, mm, that they totally. that they they kind of have that with as well. Everything is geared towards every, sort their family out, but that one yeah. that one splurge that's is, their is anchor, the isn't season it? That's ticket. Their yeah. Anchor that and keeps it right, absolutely. It's it's so frustrating when you you know we're sitting in the middle of a of a of a global pandemic as you, as you put in the piece that people are struggling. You you know you're right. People have lost their jobs. They're on furlough. They're not they're not earning as much or they're having to work in different ways. We can't just put our hands in our pockets and go yeah you know there's a hundred grand you know we're we're not all we're not all built like that you know. <laughs> A lot of football fans will live day to day because it's just the nature of the the area that that certainly that that we live in, and it's just to hear somebody with that level of platform come out with something like that is is just scandalous, um, and and rightly when you know I think every every sort of Newcastle fan side blog, everything is, is properly taken him to task on it because it is right. It is, it is a shocking thing to have said. Yeah. Again, it just shows your complete um, level of detachment. You know, this guy's exceedingly wealthy and has been exceedingly wealthy largely because of these very people that he's telling to go and buy a football club. Granted, it's not Newcastle fans, but you know, Leeds fans, West Ham fans, Manchester United fans, briefly at QPR when he couldn't catch his own arse. Um, you know, so, He's become very wealthy from the back of these these supporters, and I just think it, it was extremely disrespectful. But that kind of little segue on to the next section of the article review. So you know, talking about disrespectful, there was a a bit of a, a bit more serious toned story that we covered on the blog as well this week about Arsenal legend Thierry Henry, who decided to quit social media um, to make a stance against their lack of action about racism. So I just want to read his statement that he put out on Twitter. And we're going to get into this a little bit. So he said, hi guys, from tomorrow morning, I will be removing myself from social media until the people in power are able to regulate their platforms with the same vigor and ferocity that they currently do when you infringe copyright. Thierry Henry. Now, I think he struck a chord just as well as he struck a free kick back in the day with that one, mate. What's your take on, on what Henry's done here? No, I think it's a it's a bold sort of statement from him, and maybe it it, it kind of takes somebody of of that stature to to get through to to the powers that be at, at Twitter and Instagram and things because it's it's gone on long enough. Um, 
it it kind of seems to be getting worse. You know, we've had endless amounts of of abuse towards the, you know the likes of of Rashford and and players like it just it's so frustrating. You 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 know you every team has players of every you know every nationality, yeah, color whatever. To think that you then have people that will go on to other teams or even their own teams, supposedly, players sort of accounts, and then just start sending some of these messages, the the emojis through to them. That it's just something ha- something has to give with with the social media companies and to 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 get this stopped. You know, Henry mentioned about the algorithms towards um, copyright infringement. It's it, it cannot be that difficult to do similar algorithms to pick up some of this crap. Mm. Um, you know, it's just I said it, it is so frustrating because you, it's something that you and me will never experience anything like it. But to actually mm. witness other people go through it, it's it's horrible. Um, and some of the messages that have been sent, it's specifically to to the likes of of Zaha and, and Rashford and it's just it's not it's it's not human to send those kind of things and it it's just like I said something has to give whether it's it's the social media companies or even some of the football authorities that pull themselves away from those platforms and say do you know what we're going to take a stand with these guys and we're not going to put up with it anymore and and it's not just and in fact it's, it's not just sort of Black players is not just racism um, towards um, players from other countries and, and things. It's sexism in football as well. It's it's absolutely. Yeah. If if you're not going to stop stop this happening, you know, football authorities take a step back and say, you know, we're going to pull our accounts because we're not going to stand for this. I cannot see FIFA, UEFA, and the FA doing things like it, but maybe that's what it needs. It needs somebody big to go. You know, what, screw you. You're not doing anything. We're going to pull everybody from from our base away, just to try and jumpstart this whole process. I couldn't agree with you more, mate. I think it's very well said. I think Henri's totally on the money with the algorithm. Um, you know, kind of a point that he's that he's picked out that these guys, and but rightly or wrong, there's probably some fantastic people that work within these organisations who are very, you know, multicultural and you know have a, you know have a a love and an understanding and a kind of warmth towards people of all different backgrounds. But generally the people who run the show, the people who make the decisions, they're, they're driven by capital, you know, they're driven by profit for shareholders. And, and, and there's, if they don't do anything about this situation, not like you say, not just in football, maybe in society as well, across all different areas of discrimination, whether it be racism, you know, sexism, misogyny, you name it, you know, that then all they care about, it's capitalism and all I care about is wealth. And, you know, can you really put a price on human decency? It was a line I wrote in the piece. I wouldn't want to do that. And nor should they either, you know, but, but I, I really do feel that, you know, people might follow on Ray's lead here. And in many ways, it's a shame that they feel there's no other outcome. But, you know, if they start losing those, those, those big fish that hook people in, you know, then they, yeah, maybe they will start, start paying attention. But j- just to pick up, I mean, Henri kind of, um, he went on the TV on Good Morning Britain last so week. He was very impressive, as he always is. And he mentioned the abuse that the Welsh duo Ben Cabango and, and, and uh, Rabbi Matondo have, have received. And 
and I, I heard a little ditty about this that I mean, I think it was uh, Cabango in particular was was very forward in terms of saying he'll close his Instagram down if they don't stop this. But apparently his girlfriend even deletes his messages when he's in a toilet or when he's in he's asleep just to, to stop from seeing this hatred. And that's awful. I mean, you're hearing that you're doing that to a human being. Never mind if he's a footballer or not. A human being. Like, who the fuck do you think you are to do that and get away with that? I don't care how old you are or how big you think you are, you're a, you're a fucking disgrace and you need to sort your shit out ASAP. Yeah, you, you, you're right. I think it. you come back to, and uh, I've talked about things about making, so you have to, to identify who you are when you make an account. And, yeah. you, you know, the more this goes on, you you, you, you kind of, you can't just really disagree with that and, and making sure that everybody is, is then traceable should something like this happen. Now, I've seen the flip argument of that from um, from others, where you know social media is a is sort of a getaway from from sort of the the real life. It, it was uh, it was something that was mentioned as from people in the um, LGBTQ community who maybe haven't come out to their friends or or their their family, mm. and by having that anonymity online it allows them to be who they are yeah, without I, then, I, I without get that, then yeah. you know putting themselves in a position where they, they've essentially out of themselves before they're mm. ready i mean even that in itself you know it, in this day and age you are who you are regardless yeah, of, of, of what your preferences are you know that there should be no stigma attached to any of, the, of it um and I, I kind of get that that argument but like I say, some, something's got to give. Something has to be done because it, it just seems that this level of particularly racism mm. is is just it's just gaining a foothold. It's getting it's getting more and more, and we're hearing about it more and more. Yeah, and exactly. It's just, it's just awful, man. It's reached it's reached boiling point, hasn't it? And I just think that you know it's so sad in 2021 that you know we're having these conversations. The second podcast in a row we've talked about racism in, in, yep. in the game of football, and you know let's just hope. We don't make it a third, but sadly, as you say, it, it may very well come up. But I applaud Henri um, for what he's done, you know, and I really hope that it has the impact that he's hoping it does. And I hope these social media companies do step up and they do, you know, do the right thing and and just get, get these shitbags away from 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 the world. So, right, we're going to end it there, mate. Okay, so let's have a look at the upcoming fixtures this week. So we've got a, a bit of a mixed bag, mate. We've got World Cup qualifiers and then the Premier League is back. Get in. I hate international breaks. So uh, Tuesday, we've got Wales versus Czech Republic. Wednesday, England versus Poland. No Lewandowski in that one, mate, because he knacked his knee. So that's quite good for England. Uh, we've got Northern Ireland versus Bulgaria and Scotland versus the old foes, the Faroe Islands. I fucking hate saying that. So uh, how do you see those games going, mate? Um, I think, you know... England, you'd, with no Lewandowski for for Poland, you, you you would expect England to 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 win, wouldn't you? It's yeah, you've got to say him. Yeah, I think with with him in, in it, there's such a different side with with him, um, and he, he's such a threat. Um, again, obviously Scotland, you, you you'd expect them to win. Um, the other <laughs> games, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, the other games that will will be 
I, I think, a lot closer. Um, yeah. You know, Wales on their day are, can, can go toe-to-toe with anybody, but then so can the Czech Republic. Um, and Northern Ireland and Bulgaria kind of in that sort of similar level of, of team, I think, and, and, and that will probably be a little bit closer. So I'm going to sit on with yeah, you've got massive splinters in your ass. You sat in the fence in all the games, mate. But uh, yeah, so I think it'd be it should be a decent uh, a decent run of fixtures. But yeah, you're right. That England Poland game, I think without Lewandowski, the you know that's a massive blow for the Poles. I would fancy England to nick that one. I must say, and Scotland the Faroe Islands again. God, I wouldn't want to bet on that. I'm not a gambler, man. As I say, bet responsibly if you are. But God, you wouldn't want to bet on that one. But moving on to the the weekend, the Premier League is back on Saturday, so we've got a few games to run through. Um, Chelsea versus West Brom. I'm going Chelsea win here, mate. I think West Brom are dead and buried, and Tuchel is uh, a man of consistency. What do you reckon? I think you're right. I think you know West Brom are still fighting, but I think that I think we have to agree that, and we've said this before, that they're gone. Tuchel's Chelsea are a different proposition. They they don't look like conceding, let alone losing games. So yeah, Chelsea mm. all the way. Absolutely. Effectiveness, as well, I would say. So, Leeds versus Sheffield United, the heck and bottom derby. <laughs> I said that right. <laughs> Again, with, it's a funny one with this because Leeds, Leeds should have their flip-flops on. They should be on beach, as they say in Leeds. But, you know, I think Bielsa doesn't let them rest. And Sheffield United just look, just look like they're treading water until the season's gone. I, I'm going home win for Leeds here, mate. Yeah, again, you know, it's it's tough to bet on anybody, but but Leeds for this one, I think Bielsa is never going to let them rest, regardless of what what's happened. They could they could be stuck in 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 tenth position and not have a chance of going anywhere, but Bielsa will still have them playing in exactly the same way. Absolutely, absolutely. And going on to uh, just a football and masterpiece, really, you would you would expect. So it's destined to be nil nil. Now I've said that Leicester versus Manchester City. That's going to be a game full of. Fast flowing football. Try to say that after three points. You're right, though. It's, you, know, you build it up, loads of attacking talent on, on, on sort of either side. Um, you know, City's have defended really, really well um, of late as well as of Leicester. It's is one of those you could you could kind of see go go either way. It's tough to to bet against City though at the moment. Mm, definitely, it's a tricky one. Is that I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out and I. Leicester do have that in them just to do a big team and do them in style. So I'm going to go for a 3 1 Leicester win, mate. How about that? Ooh. I'm not betting, though, as I said. <laughs> so moving on to the next one, two sides that have had just shocking seasons, really, by their high standards. Arsenal versus Liverpool. I no idea where to start on this one. What's your take? Uh, yeah, again, it's one of those where it depends on which version of each team turns up to the game. And I know you can say that about a lot of games and we've probably used that line before, but mm. in Arsenal's case, they, they are completely Jekyll and Hyde. You you have a performance that they had against Spurs and then you have a performance that they have against they had against us, against Villa. Um, Liverpool as well, you know, they've had really good games, especially in the Champions League. And then they have games, you know, where they... Again, you know, you look back towards the start of the season and, you know, a team that barely survived relegation last season beats them 7-2 and they're peculiar <laughs> team this season. Anything to get that result in you? Anything. Oh, I've got it. Every, every <laughs> chance I get. 
I'm never going to get anybody out of that. It's like Uncle Albert during the war. Remember, we were seven two up. Remember, we were seven two up. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's too difficult a game to really predict that. To be honest with you, so I'm going to go for a boring draw with that one. So moving on to Sunday, um, Southampton versus Burnley again. That's a tricky game. I don't think like Leicester City. That's going to be a football and spectacle. Um, Burnley kind of relatively safe, not really in the relegation battle anymore, as are Southampton. Um, tricky one, mate. I, I'm going to go for a, a draw again with that one, mate. Score and draw. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, they're not the, the two greatest footballing teams in the world. Um, no. They, they, they can be really effective at, at times and you know, certainly Southampton have, have some very, very good players as did Burnley, but it's tough, it's tough to see either of them picking up a win. Mm, definitely. I just don't think they've got that goal threat in them. You know, I mean, Southampton have got some good players there, but yeah, I'm just going for a score draw with that. Then moving on to the big one, we touched on this a little bit earlier, Newcastle versus Spurs at St. James's Park. Surely, to God, please be Bruce's last game, but knowing my luck, it probably won't be. Uh, I'm going for a Spurs win here, mate, without even breaking sweat saying it, because we are just completely and utterly shite. So what's your take on that? <laughs> Yeah, it's you know if if Spurs were on the game, you, you you very much see see them pulling off a, a win. It you know with Kane on form and if Son's fit and and they're they're firing, you can't really see Newcastle coping with them. But oh. there's always this innate ability of Bruce just to shit house a win. Um, yeah, oh God, yeah, and get God. some a random one nil or was it you know get a a really dodgy penalty that, that somehow makes the performance worth it. It's, um, yeah, I, I'll go with Spurs just purely because I, I cannot see any way that Newcastle can, can win. Can, can yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a tricky one, mate. I mean, uh, there's been pictures of Sir Maximum and Wilson in training, which are very, very good. Um, but my worry is if you risk either one of them, what happens if they break down and, and then you got the Burnley game after that, which you probably got a chance of winning if they're both playing. But you might not win Spurs if they play. So it's a tricky one. But yeah, I can't see anything but a Spurs winning. And moving on to that, we, we need your boys to do us a huge favour because you are at home to Fulham. Uh, we are, yeah. It's a different proposition this week than, than maybe they've obviously Jack's back in training and, and ready to ready to play. We, we, we'll look a different side of that. There were times before he was injured that you know he was still in still on the team and we and we didn't quite look this the the same team as we had done earlier in the season. But a little bit of a break, a bit of a kick up the arse by by Smith and and hopefully we come out and our last ten games we can come out firing and put on a run until the end of the season, get us some good momentum going into the summer and into next year. Yeah, and as you say, Watkins will be full of confidence after scoring for England. So I think I, I'm, I'm going for a Villa win there, mate, and, and Watkins to get on the goal, the goal scoring there. Uh, sheets, I think, mm -hmm. mate. So, yeah, moving on to Manchester United versus Brighton. Again, a huge game in the relegation picture. Uh, normally, you can't see past Manchester United for these types of things. And I think normally you would say after the national football, well-rested, uh, Manchester United will come back flying. But... A lot of their players have been travelling the world and playing games and stuff like that. And I don't know, I just I just fancy Brighton to, to potentially nick a point. Yeah, I know it sounds a bit ludicrous, but I'm going to go for a draw for Brighton in this one. Yeah, it's it's one of those where, you know, United have come and stuck against, you know, Sheffield United earlier in the year and 
sometimes they, they do take their foot off the gas a little bit against teams that they expect to beat and that, then that that goes against them. Brighton seem to have picked up that ability to put the ball in the net. Oh um, God, tell me about it, tell me about it. So, <laughs> so you know, you could you could see them nicking a draw and, and that just mm. puts more, more and more pressure on the two sides below them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, by that point, you know, they'll, they'll obviously know what's going on in the relegation picture. So a couple of games on Monday just to, to finish up the, the Premier League action. We've got Everton versus Palace and then we've got Wolves versus West Ham. So funny one, Everton versus Palace. Palace don't really have anything to play for. They're treading water until a massive rebuild in the summer, which we touched on, I think, in the last pod. Uh, and Everton are just so patchy up and down. Um, I mean, Ancelotti must be gasping for the summer where he can rebuild that squad because there's such inconsistency there, isn't there? There is. A, they, they've started so, so well. Um, but you're right. They have just, they've kind of hit that that peak and, and, and dropped back back down into into almost where you'd, you'd sort of expect their performances to be, really sort of mm. hit and miss. Um, Palace have, although they'd, they'd had such a poor run, have, have kind of picked up lately and, they one defeat in in five, is it now? Um, so they they've sort of turned the corner in their 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 really poor form that they had beforehand. You know, they it looks like it could be the sort of the last last few games of Hodgson being at, at Palace as well. So he'll want to continue a, a good run there. It's it's a tough one because you 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 want to see it's. Maybe the score draw is the the right way to go with that one because he, it's tough to see either one of them winning, but it's also kind of tough to see either one of them th- sort of throwing it away as well. No, absolutely, it's yeah, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be one of them games again. The kind of stands I've got right splinters in my arse. I'm going for a draw again on that one and moving on to Wolves and West Ham. West Ham again, still chasing that that Champions League spot. They you know they kind of came unstuck a little bit I think, against Arsenal and lacked that big game experience. Wolves again. I don't think of the same side without him and Ezra. I'm I'm going to go for a West Ham win here, mate. I think they'll get back to it. Yeah, you're right. I think they'll get back to winning ways. It's 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 one of those games that Wolves have, have looked a little bit better recently. Um, that it, it's taken them a while to get used to to playing without him and Ezra. I think and and not having that striker that can almost guarantee you a goal. Yeah, but they they are they do seem to be doing a little bit better. It's it's. Can that, that phrase? It's tough to see past West Ham. They are. They have been so good this season, and mm. Moyes will want them back to to win in ways after having after having thrown away a three goal lead um, against Arsenal. He's he's going to have them fired up. Absolutely, absolutely. It should be a decent game. That so that that rounds up our uh, our week weekend of Premier League action, which I'm really happy he's back as. International football is never the same as Premier League, but ask me again about 10 minutes into the Newcastle game and I'll probably change my mind. So that's us uh, finished up for that section, mate. Okay, mate, so we've reached full time in today's episode. I just want to say thanks a lot for joining me today, mate, and not stomping off early and throwing your armband on the floor. (laughs) No problem, man. Yeah, it's been good to chat here as always about football. And listen, guys, if you like football chat and you know you're interested in what you hear here, please, you know, click subscribe and leave a comment on your preferred podcast platform. Would would love to hear from you. Let us know how the show is going. And if you're interested, give us a follow on Twitter 
It's at SRP blog, and you'll find all the links to the articles we've referenced in today's episode and uh, new content coming every other day. So without further ado, I've got to say it's a uh, cheerio from me. And goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next time.